<clears throat> I made the decision the past few days that the voice I've been using for more than 60 years was boring, so today I thought I would use this one instead. <laughs> I began with a quote from Deepak Chopra, who said, he remembered, I remember early in my medical training, wishing that just one person, upon hearing that he or she had been diagnosed with a terminal illness, would murmur, what a loss to the world when I am gone. Not a loss to one's family and friends, but an absolute loss. Something that makes the world poorer. We see the passing of eminent people that way, certainly. Yet from your soul's perspective, you are as great an addition to the world as Mahatma Gandhi or Mother Teresa. And subtracting you from the cosmic equation would be just as great a loss. The most exquisite silk remains intact if you pull out a thread, but the snag will show. For the past few weeks, we have been using this book. Reverend Larry's been speaking from this book. As you can see, there's a few things that I liked in it. <laughs> then I ran out of flags, so then I just highlighted. You can't see that. Reinventing the Body, Resurrecting the Soul, wherein Chopra tells us that the physical body is actually fiction. We make it up. It is energy. And he proposes that the body is boundless, channeling the energy, the creativity, the intelligence of the entire universe and beyond. So at this very moment, the universe listens with our ears and sees with our eyes. Your purpose here is to evolve. And there is a steady conversation going on between the body and the soul. They are in fact not separate, but different aspects of the whole of us. Body, mind, soul, just as we are aspects of God. We are not God. We are aspects of it. And I think by the term reinventing the body, Deepak Chopra is speaking to a new understanding that the body is not a separate entity, but a vehicle made of energy that communicates with the brain and the mind and vice versa. Everything's communicating with every aspect of us. So that what goes on in one aspect directly impacts the rest which is very much in line with what we teach in Science of Mind, our philosophy, when we say that thought is creative. And what is going on inside shows up outside, and what's showing up outside is a reflection of what's going on inside. We also, in this philosophy, talk about going to that place that has never been harmed. I first heard that when Reverend Georgia Prescott said that. She has a United Centers for Spiritual Living Center in Sacramento, California. And when she would begin her prayer, she would invite us to go to that place that has never been harmed. And that, to me, is the soul. It is God within that knows exactly what we are, that knows us um, more than intimately. We are an expression of it. It expresses through us as us. So that is what I believe is what Chopra is talking about when hearing with our ears and seeing with our eyes. 
It is the soul of us. The physical body by itself, which of course I just said it wasn't, but if it was a standalone device, it's just a container. It's the currency that we need to negotiate this earth plane. It's how we do stuff here on this planet. And resurrecting the soul is reconnecting to that place in us that has never been harmed, that inner place of the Most High. So I think that is what he is talking about when he's saying, you know, redefining the body, resurrecting the soul. Because what happens typically is that we think this is, what, this is, this is us. This is who we are. It's like when you were little and you were told, I don't think I'm the only one, I love to color, and I was told to stay in the lines. It was very important to stay in the lines. And being the oldest of seven and extremely responsible, I felt it my duty to stay in the lines. You don't have to do that. They're just made up anyway. In a way, so is the body, as far as being a separate entity. It's like seeing your thumb as a separate something. Obviously, it is not. But if you talk to the thumb, the thumb would think it was. Obviously, the thumb's connected to the hand, which is connected to the whole rest of the body. So all that separation stuff is just made up. And the thing is, everything affects everything else. Every part of our body, every part of our mind affects every other part. So that there is nothing separate going on here. And to take it even further, being as everything is energy, what's going on in me affects what's going on in you, and vice versa. There are no lines anywhere. We are all points of energy, places where the infinite shows up. And it's not static. Everything's moving all the time. So reinventing the body is really about reinventing, re-looking at how we look at the body. And from everything I've been able to figure out, um, starting with the ministerial school on, probably before then, everything I know is wrong. I was taught, for example, with the body, that um, I was taught about, gen taught about genetics and genes, that everybody comes with a set of genes. And I envisioned that they were sort of in cement, I mean, they were like interlocking whatever, and you couldn't, they just were what they were. And these genes, I came in with them, and they determined um, what I would look like and sort of predetermined my tendency to behave in a certain way. They were like a blueprint in ink, permanent, unwavering. Well, it turns out that's not true. It turns out that brain chemistry can and does alter genes. And emotions alter brain chemistry. And sometimes, and I did not know this, sometimes the genes are on and sometimes they are off. Who knew? So the only thing that is permanent and unwavering might be the belief that, we, that there's anything that's permanent and unwavering, other than that which creates and sustains everything. 
So all this exact science, as it turns out, is not quite so exact as we thought. The thing is, we are not assembled parts. We are aspects of something that is everything. Chopra says that love awakens the soul, which then takes God's infinite love and steps it down to human scale. I love that. Steps it down to human scale. In other words, we are expressions of God replicating the love of God in a way that we can understand it in our, in our humanness. We are the containers, if you will. All of us, all aspects of us are the container through which God pours its love, its intelligence. All the love, all the possibility that we can hold. And it is the soul that holds it. I think of it as a little piece of God that resides in me. And it is that piece that pulls, I think, pulls every single one of us to where we are right now, this moment. It is that piece that pulls me to do this work, to learn to love more, to learn to hear more, to learn to see more, to learn to be more of what something tells me I am. Love awakens the soul because that is the language of the soul. It is that phrase, deep calling unto deep. That's what it is. And so human love is a stepped-down version of God's love. So that as we live open-hearted lives, the soul is awakened, and we have access to all the love that we could possibly imagine and more, both giving and receiving. And if the universe hears with our ears and sees with our eyes, then the universe loves with our hearts, loves with our souls. And since we are all operating in the one mind, loving with and as the one heart, then the evolution of the universe is the natural outcome, because there are no lines. When my Gresham grandchildren, I say Gresham grandchildren, I have nine grandchildren, Seven of them live in Roseburg, and two of them live here. I bought for Ellie and Hayden some plastic placemats when they were little, because as children, they're somewhat messy. And I bought these. I thought it would be a dual purpose, so I bought these placemats that were maps. One was a map of, the, of America and the uh, United States, and another one was a map of the world. You know, the maps, they have these lines that separate the states or the countries or continents or whatever. And I remember when I first started learning about maps when I was little, I thought those lines were real. And I remember wondering how people got from one to another because those lines would be in the way, right? And of course, there are no lines. There are no lines anywhere. Uh, we agree there are borders, so there are. If one day we decided there were no borders, then there wouldn't be any. What I think, what I feel, is not contained within any of my physiology or soul even or anything. It leaks out everywhere. I remember <coughs> Oprah had a little sign in her office at Harpo Studios that said, you are responsible for the energy that you bring into this space. I love that. Because it is not contained, my energy is not separate from yours. It's all over the place. 
And I think if there's an overall divine plan, then we are it. All this energy creates our lives, creates this planet, creates this universe, so that we are all a part of the universe's evolution. We not only are a part of it, we are it. And everybody's presence is required. And the reason I say that is because if that were not true, you would not be here. But who is it that's here? Is it the soul or is it the ego? Sometimes one, sometimes the other. See, we are not who we think we are. We are not just separate physical beings. These, this is just a space suit. That's what it is. By itself, which of course it isn't, but if it was, this is just a spacesuit. And Chopra says, who we think we are is unreliable and unreal. Think about it. First of all, the spacesuit seems to wear out, does it not? Seems to wear out, which is disconcerting if that's what we think we are. And then we've made up the story about me and you, us and them. But if it's all energy in motion, then how exactly could that be possible? Isn't my us going to mix up with your them? Because <laughs> we are not who we think we are. But in order to be who we truly are, we have to let go of who we think we are. Who in their right mind would want to do that if that is who we think we are? And so then, can we see what we truly are before we let go of what we think we are? I was just wondering. <laughs> Chopra says that letting go is the path to everything. And then sometime later, he uses the S word, surrender. Surrendering on the spiritual path happens over and over, and it never ends. Oh, goody. So I'm thinking we might need to re-examine what we have faith in because most of us have faith in the physical, in something we can see, we can touch. We have faith in what we believe to be physical, but we're just making it up because everything is moving energy. Our bodies and any and every place we can stand, sit, lie down, whatever, everything is moving energy. There is no there, there. Can we have faith that we are more than what we see and feel and touch? The minute we begin to shift away from that, from the material, we create a space for us to experience what is not. We create a space in heart and mind to feel something more. There is a meditation practice that invites us to sit quietly and try to hear something, try to listen. You know, like if you thought you heard something but you're not sure and you really strain and try to listen? When you do that, something happens. When I do that, something happens and I can experience something that the only way I can describe it is it feels like silence. It feels like forever. It feels very, very quiet. 
and I find myself exhaling and just kind of dropping down because it feels like home. And as I have been practicing that for some time, even when I'm not so quiet now, regardless of what's happening, I still have a sense of that. I still have a sense of that. I started to say place. It's not a place. It feels like a place. It's the only way I can describe it. And so I practice being quiet so that I can go there again. Because the more often we can do this, the more often we can tune into the soul, which is the truth of us. And it has nothing to do with the body or the ego. And as I say that, I do not believe there is anything wrong with either one of those aspects of us. There's nothing wrong. That, that assists us in being here on this planet, showing up as human beings. There's nothing wrong with that. The only problem becomes when we over-identify with it and think that's who we are. We are neither. And to the extent that we believe it is who we are, then that's where we live. And if that is where we live, then the soul just waits. Just waits. So we live from ego, which concerns itself mainly with its own preservation, and sets us up to believe that if we have enough money, enough stuff, enough youth, enough education, if we look good, then we win. Then we're safe, then we'll be fine. But we can't ever win because the stakes just get higher and higher. I have to be better than you, more than you. I have to protect myself. I have to be safe. Mostly, I have to define myself as separate from you and from everything around me. This is me. That's you. Everybody stay within the lines. And all of this is external. It's all outside of ourselves. And it says nothing about our interior landscape. It says nothing about the truth of us, about who we really are. And until we know what we really are, we are unavailable to the evolution of the universe. It's like playing cards, sitting around a card table, playing cards with, cards with God. When it comes to my turn, I say, oh, I pass. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, said that we belong to the universe, that we are as much a part of it as the sun, the earth, the air, and that there is something within us that is telling us this all the time, and that is the soul. See, the evolution, the divine plan, for lack of a better term, does not depend upon us. It is us. Each one of us, fully present as our soul's own unfoldment. You know that old saying, if they gave a war and nobody came? What if they gave a war and nobody came? What if they gave us a universe and nobody showed up? The ego concerns itself with making sure that we've got everything that we think we need. The soul knows that 
we are everything that we need. So then our job is to show up. Chopra talks about a cosmic or divine plan, which is us. And this plan is different than what we might typically envision as a plan because it is not set in stone. It is alive. There is no blueprint drafted in ink. It's a living thing, all living things. And according to Chopra, follows certain invisible guidelines. There are five of them. The first one is everything is consciousness. There are no dead zones. Everything is consciousness. And our thoughts, our beliefs, our actions, our consciousness shapes this plan, shapes this unfoldment, shapes this evolution of the universe. Second thing is everything fits together. There is nothing here that does not belong here. Seeming randomness is not random, it is movement. Number three, the whole plan is self-organizing. Every aspect of creation knows exactly what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And number four, evolution unfolds within itself. As something creates, it seeks its own highest expression. And the last one, freedom is the purpose. You don't win by getting to the end. You win by finding a new game the instant the old one is over. Infinite possibilities never run out. Duh. That's why they call them infinite, right? <laughs> These rules or guidelines exist as everything. Everything in nature, everything in and as our physical bodies. As we become aware of the plan, Chopra says the universe acquires a new face. I like to think of it as a new life. So that as we speak on Sunday mornings here, by transforming our individual lives, we transform the entire planet. We transform the universe. One human consciousness at a time. One belief at a time. One thought at a time. One action at a time. So each of us matters because each of us is an aspect of the wholeness of life itself, and we are not interchangeable. We are not interchangeable parts. One does not work for the other. The evolution of the universe is the unfoldment of the consciousness of the entire planet, consisting of every single person in it. So each and every one of us matters. That's why each and every one of us is here. So I'm going to close with this quote from Deepak Chopra. Almost no one believes that he or she is absolutely necessary in the grand scheme of things. Yet, if you are the growing tip of evolution, which you are, the universe needs you in a unique way. You fit into a plan that cannot be imagined in advance. It has no rigid guidelines, no fixed boundaries, no predictable outcomes. The plan is made up as it goes along, and it depends upon the participation of every single person. An Indian guru is quoted as saying, the divine plan does not need you to unfold, but if you turn away, it will not unfold through you. 
Let us pray. And so in this divine moment, as all moments, God is, I am, and all is well. Because there is only this one that I call God. By whatever name we choose to call it, it just simply is. And it is all. It is the allness of life itself, in, through, and as everything, seen, unseen, heard, unheard. There is no place where it leaves off and something else begins. It is literally all that there is. So that the perfection, the intelligence, the love, the beauty that creates universes, galaxies, planets, stars, creates me. And I replicate that creative process. I can do that in my own life. I have the technology because I am made up out of God's stuff. And because I know this for myself, I know it for everyone. Because it is all that there is. And so I speak this word of willingness for everyone in this room at this precise moment, affirming and knowing a willingness to open up our hearts and minds to listen in order that we might remember who we are. That in truth, we are not limited by anything or anyone. And as we can remember that for ourselves, we can remember it for another. And as we do that, we literally change our lives. We change the world. I affirm a willingness to understand that we are here on purpose with a purpose, that we are supposed to be here, and that there is nothing missing, no, nothing broken, that there is a perfection in us, that place that has never been harmed, that is the truth of us, the beauty of us, the wholeness of us. And I call that forth into full expression now in each and every life here. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful to know that God is all there is. I'm grateful to know that there are other human beings willing to show up and remember, knowing that as we do that, we change the world. And love is the answer. And in gratitude for knowing this truth, I let it be. And so it is. And so it is. Thank you for being here this morning.